We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the Field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't yeah. on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the Field of 68. Hello and welcome back. It's been a two-month break. Uh, the DTF podcast. Rob Doster, John Fanson, Terrence Oglesby. I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. I thought we were going to have an unbelievable open to the show. I couldn't wait to get on here and talk to Fanta, the newly betrothed man. Show that ring, Fanta. Show that ring, John. There, there it is. Joe and I man. both crashed the wedding. I don't know if we were technically invited. We both showed up. We both had a great night. We are going to get into all of that. <laughs> uh, but we got on the Zoom call. We got ready to start recording, and uh, Fanta had – he needs a moment. He needs to vent. So, Fanta, the floor is yours. Say what you need to say about your brownies. Brownies. I cannot believe, and I should be able to believe it, because this is now 28 years of, of Cleveland Browns fandom. <laughs> but, fellas, fellas, the Monday night game in Pittsburgh, Will will stick with me forever, for a variety of reasons. Nick Chubb, gut punch, the worst injury I've seen in a game since Kevin Ware of Louisville back in the final four years ago, and Rick Pitino was consoling him, and that 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 was terrible. Nick Chubb goes down. Even after that, the Browns had multiple leads in this game. And in the fourth quarter, the Pittsburgh Steelers totaled negative yardage. Negative yardage in the final quarter while never getting to the red zone in the entirety of the game. When have you ever seen a team win a football game and they never possess the ball in the red zone? When it's against the Cleveland Browns, that's when. That's exactly what I was going to say. A despicable loss. A despicable loss. My quarterback who no one will have any love for. That's for damn sure. Nobody feels bad for that. My I, I, my team spent money on a quarterback, fellas. I finally thought I might have somebody capable of playing the quarterback position, and here I am, a sad bastard. Sad bastard. <laughs> 
Well, I'm I, sorry, I need, Fanta. Let, uh, let's. I look. need college basketball like I need to breathe. <laughs> well, it's great that you mentioned that because we are going to have a nice uh, Big East preview today. We're going to roll through all of the six major conferences over the course of the next six weeks. Um, do some preview stuff. It's basically five burning questions that we're going to ask for each league as we kind of roll through all of this. Before we do, though, we haven't been on this show and talked about realignment uh, and and the implosion of the Pac-12. We haven't been on here talking about the NCAA tournament uh, potential expansion. I know T.O., uh, I think, what was it, about like six weeks ago, you texted unpopular me. Unpopular take, yeah. Yeah, unpopular take. We got to expand the tournament. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, but first and foremost, I mentioned it. Fanta is a merry man. Fanta is now a trophy husband. And uh, T.O. and I were lucky enough to be at the wedding. Um, and I got to say, T.O., I don't know where it went, ranks on ter- in terms of like best weddings that you've been to, but I think it's up there for top five for me, maybe even top three. I had an absolute blast. Um, it was one of those nights where I was able to drink more than I should, but I never got drunker than I should have been, right, if that makes sense. Um, I woke up the next morning at 6 a.m., to oh. go to a bounce house, uh, a bounce house <laughs> festival with my kids back in Philadelphia. Uh, I've never been more miserable than a 95 degree day on a bounce house. Um, but yeah, it was great. I had an unbelievable time at the wedding. To uh, I think everybody there knows that you had an unbelievable time at the wedding. <laughs> I did. I, I did have a great time. It was fun. I there was more food than I knew what to do with. More food that I could. I, I couldn't try everything. Like it, they had the prosciutto that was over there. It was crazy. They had a they had a prosciutto tree. There was a whole tree of ham. I didn't even know you could make ham trees. I didn't know ham grew on trees, but they had a, they had a ham tree. That's for sure. Uh, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, like it was like everything. Everything was there. I ate three plates at the cocktail hour because I thought that was the food. And then we got in, we got into dent like to the room where the reception was going to be at and then they're like all right main course is about to come out i'm like main course how much can we how much can i fit in i got nothing left vanna teal sits down and sees the food coming out and goes wait that wasn't dinner that wasn't dinner dinner? i was like i ate and ate and ate and and drank some casamigos and, and ate and drank more casamigos like it was uh I, I had about as much fun as one could possibly had. And I told you, Fanta, before I got up there, I was like, I'm going to cut loose a little bit. I don't cut loose all that often. We, we've made trips, guys, trip after trip. We've been to New Orleans. We've been to Las Vegas. I've never really cut loose. I was like, the hell with it. I'm going to have a good time. This is John Fanta's wedding. Me and Rob had a ball. Oh, I we had an like- un- unbelievable night. So I, there's 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 three <laughs> moments that, uh, that I, I think that we need to talk about um, from this night, Fanta. It's two of them. You, uh, two of them you don't know about. So the first one is, as we were waiting for the shuttle to take us over to the reception after the ceremony, we go down to the hotel bar, and I'm like, Tio, I got I got your first round. Don't worry about it. And he sits there, and he goes, what's that funky bottle up on the top over there? <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, I'm paying for it. I said, you are. Yeah, yeah you are. Yeah, they were, uh, they, were 40, they were $40 tequila drinks, and he got doubles each time. So I was like, all right, perfect. Here we go, Tio. I had two Second, doubles. The second moment is um, I showed you this picture. I don't know if you uh, remember seeing the picture, but a coach that will not be named was at the wedding. And I have a very incriminating photograph of him wearing a wig 
uh, before his uh, his wife took him home from the wedding. So um, <laughs> I will show you that one day. It will never see the light of day beyond that. It will never leave my phone. I will never send it to anybody. I... But it is it's one of the five funniest pictures I think I've ever seen in my life. It's and an elite third, situation. The third moment was was probably my favorite moment. It was about thirty minutes before we headed back to the hotel for some late night pizza. Everybody's out on the dance floor. Me and To are out there cutting up a rug, and uh, and and we're there. Oh, we I, I got a dance with Mama Fanta in. It was great. Um, and uh, we're sitting there dancing with you, John. And you took a step. You stepped in someone's spilled drink. Bam! You hit the floor. And before anyone even noticed, before anyone came around, boop, we pulled you right back up, and you were right, right back got, to dancing. Yeah. Like nothing ever happened. It was uh, it was one of the smoothest moves I've ever <laughs> seen for somebody falling right on their face. <laughs> yeah, we, we you went down and we picked you up. I it couldn't have been more than a second, one point eight seconds. I mean, it was elite timing. We grabbed you, it, and it wasn't like one of those situations where like John's out of hand. The floor was wet. Yeah. So like you could like you we we reached down, we grabbed you, and you didn't you hopped right back on beat. <laughs> no, in in spirit of of hoops, we should have had a, a Swiffer guy that night. Uh, to that would have been good. We yeah. needed a mop guy. We yeah. Badly, yeah. we we needed a mop guy there. We we badly needed a mop guy. Well, I'm glad you guys had a blast uh, because we we absolutely did. And uh, what a day it was! What a night it was! It was it was really really something. I mean, they tell you. Everybody, uh, so here, I have a couple of takeaways. Number one, if I got another text message before 10 a.m. from somebody saying, take the day in, soak it all in, it's going to end quickly. It's like the, um, it's the most cliche phrase you could send someone. And it's, it's and I, I didn't look at it that way because I did take several moments to soak everything in. Uh, but, oh my God, guys. I must have had 50 text messages in the morning. And I was joking with my grooms and I'm like, here's another one. Like every text was, hey man, like not even, some of them weren't even congratulations. Hey man, take the day in, you know, uh, soak it all up. And a couple of text messages said, take the day in, soak it all up. Cause after that, it's all downhill from there. (laughs) It was, it was just funny reading how people, you know, reading people's, perspectives the other takeaway i have is before even checking into the hotel before i i checked into the hotel because i stayed at the hotel the night before got ready and and all that i'm getting contact from uh my wife's family victoria's family and they're saying oh there was this southern bald guy in the hotel (laughs) lobby he couldn't have been more helpful with our stuff you know, uh, who is he and uh, and what's he do? Who is he and what's he do? I go, well, that's that's Terrence Oglesby because there's not a southern another southern bald guy that was yep. invited to the wedding. Uh, and and they're like, oh, he was so nice. He helped us with our boxes and our bags and our favors. I'm like, is T.O. the Hampton in Fairfield, New Jersey Bellman or no, you were very helpful to to my wife's family and they really appreciate you. They. They couldn't stop talking about you helping them at the hotel. Well, they were they were very nice. You you married into a very nice family, and, and they uh, I met them as soon as I was checking in. They were great, and their room was like three or four right down the from ours. But uh, I helped them move a couple of things. Uh, I but a couple of things. I I grabbed Mama Fanta, brought her on the dance floor, 
got her moving a little bit. And then, uh, oh gosh, what was the other thing? What was the other thing? And then it was amazing how many people showed up for you, like big name people, like a lot of them. It was just, it was awesome all the way around. It was, it was surprising. Just so it was, much fun. You know, you're, you're humbled. You're flattered. I, I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we're beyond grateful and thankful that you guys both came. It, it meant a lot to me uh, that you both came and that you both were there. And it was hard. It's, 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 hard to put together uh an invite list and get all in and and do the planning i had less than 10 percent to do with it all the great things about the wedding the credit goes to my wife because she made it happen uh vicky vicky knows everything about everything and was on top of it as you guys know it's your better half is truly your better half but it was hey you know who wasn't on top of it you know who wasn't on top of it Doster forgot his freaking pants. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna tell that story. How did you forget a pants? How I didn't, did you I didn't forget, forget the pants? So, so here's I didn't forget the pants. All right. The I landed you forgot the pants. Where any? I landed they were in so Chicago. You Wednesday forgot the night pants. I was in Chicago. Okay. Wednesday night I was in Chicago and we had the Hall of Fame celebration dinner thing. So I flew back Thursday morning from Chicago and I was just gonna wear the same suit. Right. Like I, all I did was go to a dinner and sit at a dinner and eat a dinner in that suit. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to wear it again, because uh, to be frank, the other suit that I had belt didn't connect anymore. Might be time to lose a couple LBs. So um, <laughs> I, I, I take it out of the, the suit bag. Right. And as I'm leaving to get in the car to drive it to the wedding, I hung it on like the in, in our little mud room. There's like a little coat rack thing. Right. So I hung it there. I grabbed the suitcase. I put the suitcase in the back of the car. I grabbed the hanger and I hung the hanger up in the back seat of the car. I get in the car and I drive and uh, didn't think twice about it. Didn't realize that the pants had slid off the hanger and were now lying on the mud room floor while I was two hours north um, getting ready to go to the wedding. I realized this. 45 minutes before I was supposed to be at the ceremony. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I called to you. I was it was, like, I was like, like Dude, can I'm I, screwed. can I wear like a suit jacket and shorts? They match. <laughs> it actually works. He's like, are you Dwayne Wade? No, no, I'm not Dwayne Wade. So I, I ran over uh, to what's the mall that's right over there. It's like three miles from the hotel. Yep. There's some big old uh, mall. So I run in, Willow I go Brooke to a Macy's. Willow yeah, I, mall. Yep. yeah, that's what it was. So I go in, I go to the Macy's. I just grab like, okay. This you is had normally my flying. Side. Yeah. Flying. Yeah. It wasn't. I was got safe. a suit that fit, like, which was shocking enough. Yeah. So I just grabbed it. I was like, these are my normal sizes. Please let this work. Got back to the hotel, put it on, uh, and then just booked it to the to, to the ceremony. I made it two minutes after the start of the ceremony. So well, I missed, I didn't see the tears when she walked down the aisle. I, I heard about the tears when when she walked down the aisle I didn't, tears. See the, I didn't see the tears when she walked down the aisle but i was there uh for all of the important stuff at the wedding i made it i survived man i got there i got it done there that, oh. that is an incredible amount of effort by you i i commend you and and by the way that's the that's the other note on on everything is that my bride showed up 20 minutes late now that had to do with the transportation service not being able to get under a bridge because if you think New Jersey and Newark and whatnot, that's not where this wedding was. This wedding no. was in the deep woods. If if you put this wedding and you and you said guess the state, you probably would have guessed somewhere in the Midwest. If you if you just the church, right? Just the church, you would have been like, where am I right now? Mm. Who's in the deep woods of New Jersey? Like the drive up to the the church, I would have said like you're in the the mountains of Western Pennsylvania. 
Right. So as a result, the trolley service had a little bit of trouble maneuvering through bridges <laughs> and all that stuff. So she was running late. But guys, I don't have my phone. I don't have anything. She's out. I, I you thought she was done. I R- runaway bride. Runaway bride. You know, you know, like the T.O., you know this, Rob, you know this. <laughs> you know, like the mid-major coaches locker rooms for the visitors. I was in a room that size looking at a kitchen sink for about an hour and 10 minutes doing nothing. I couldn't go leave. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have anything. I stood in that back room and I reflected on, on my journey to this point. And by the end of it, I'm like, either she's going to show up or this is going to be the biggest embarrassment since Purdue lost to FDU. <laughs> Oh, hey, why were you in a room by yourself? They had you in solitary confinement? Are they just you, making yeah, sure that they, you weren't going to make a run for uh, it? Well, my mom was there, but, you know, she, of course, she's talking about all different kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're like, you're so locked into what's about to happen. You can't even think about anything else. So, so she was, but, but yeah, no, you're like a hermit for the, for the minutes leading up to it. And I got to give credit before I, but you both, the last thing I just want to say is, now you both know uh, where it all comes where, from. Where where the speaking comes from? Because I have to, I have got to commend my uncle, Father Tom. That He's is great. that is the best homily I have ever heard in my life. Oh, he he lit you up a couple times too. He yes, got he you did. a couple times. the The funniest part of his speech was he, he said that uh, he he would come home and you'd be playing Madden and you'd have it on mute and you'd be, Oh, my brother, my brother said that. Yeah. yeah. You'd be announcing the games of Madden while you're sitting there with it on mute by yourself. <laughs> like that. I could just picture a 12 year old fan to doing that. That is too perfect. Too perfect. Um, the you only know what? Hey, one more thing too. Cause I forgot it a second ago. It just slipped my mind, but I got to go to breakfast with Fanta and all of his groomsmen. <laughs> and now I know where it all comes from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who, who's my man the hot take artist that was sitting oh he, he he's elite i love that guy so he's he great to come, he wants to come to the final four and i i'm like i don't know if i want you there because if you come they're going to get you on for 15 minutes to just rip me to shreds it's not going to be 15 minutes we won't be able to slow him down yep <laughs> yep the, yeah, the that only guy other was thing great the so we have thing- a problem. Wait, I have a problem. Well, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Can I tell you that? Not a problem. Go ahead. Like, yeah, I got to go tell on. you. My in-laws are coming to the final four potentially. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so if, if they get on set, if they, cause I'm, I'm fearful that Goodman's going to have them sit down and start telling stories and who knows where that could go. No, I love my in-laws. I love my in-laws. I look, love them, look, but they want to come to, they want to come to the final four. If you're worried about stories, like you should be worried about you getting on there and telling your own stories. Okay. <laughs> we remember what happened last year in Vegas. We remember the story that you told. No comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only other thing I didn't realize, well, I, I realized it, but I didn't really put together is how quickly T.O. becomes best friends with everybody, right? <laughs> like everybody. So. Yeah. When first of all, that when I got true. there, right? When yeah. I come back with my suit and I'm going to get changed, I'm like, T.O., you want to wait one second? I'll drive you. I was like, no, no, I'm good. I got my buddies over here. They're gonna drive me over to the reception. And it was just too rare. I think I don't who was that? It was one of the groomsmen's parents. Yeah, it was just a, a random yeah. couple that he met at the hotel bar. He's like, Yeah, they're gonna drive me over. I'm good. Because of your personality, you 
and it's it's so infectious it's so great and you really could be america's wedding crasher uh, yeah it's not a goal of mine <laughs> <laughs> no but it was fun it was fun we had a good time and, and it was amazing to me how many people were there it was it was fun it was a lot of fun you ever seen old school he walked yeah. in like frank the tank no i got a big uh, big saturday in the morning we're gonna have to go to bed back beyond I'll, I'll do one i'll do one yeah, I did one. I did. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come in and say hello. And I talked to a couple of guys that were living in Nashville. And I was like, guys, I'm too old for this. You guys have fun. And I went, I went to And sleep. then he started streaking up and down the hallway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> big news. The Almanac is officially back. The most exhaustive and comprehensive guide to the 2023-24 college basketball season is available for pre-order now. If you go to cbbalmanac.com, link is in the description below, you can pre-order for just $15.99 or 20% off the sticker price. The format is going to be a little bit different this season. Instead of an 850-page PDF, you'll be getting access to the full site with league-by-league PDFs available for download. The preview will be live on September 20th, so you have until then to be able to get your pre-orders in. So for insight for all 362 Division One teams from their head coaches and the experts that cover them, make sure you hit that link. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Uh, let's let's talk a little college basketball stuff. Um, before we get into T.O. trying to turn the NCAA tournament into 128 teams, <laughs> Pac-12 is effectively gone, right? Like it's the the Washington State and Oregon State are going to try to fight to keep this thing together and um, who knows what ends up happening with that. But for all intents and purposes, the league that we knew is the Pac-12 is no longer. Uh, and it's just kind of sad to me. There's two ways that I look at it. One, it's sad that like this bastion of West Coast basketball no longer exists, right? The idea of Pac-12 after dark no longer really exists. But at the same point, I think that 
if what this does is create situations where we can get like UCLA playing Michigan or Arizona playing Kansas or these two massive brands that can kind of cut through all the noise and create a matchup at some point, maybe December, maybe January, maybe early February, when most people most people are paying attention to football. Like that could be something where you can cut through the noise and have it be focused on college basketball and have a big college basketball moment when it's not just March. And I'm kind of torn on whether or not that is a net positive. I don't know where I stand. I don't know where you guys stand. I don't think I've actually talked to you guys about this. So Fanta, I'll open up the floor to you. Um, The PAC 12 is dead. How do you feel about that? Well, it's certainly unfortunate because you're, you're still talking about what college sports has been built on traditions those regional rivalries and the different just the the aura that different leagues that we've grown up watching through the years that they entail in my opinion the football gods are making a statement to those pac-12 schools right now because look at the pac-12 in football it leads all conferences in top 25 teams how ironic that in the last year of the league as we've known it, that it leads every conference in football-ranked teams. Let's turn to basketball. The fact of the matter is this. Pac-12 basketball has lost its allure. It's lost what would attract a fan to it. A lot of the game, the majority of the games in the Pac-12 in recent years are not being watched by even... Even the diehard college hoops fan. And if that sounds harsh, the reason why I'm saying it is because a very good portion of those games tip off at 10.30 Eastern time or later. Let's face it, guys. I know we're on the East Coast. I know somebody could say you're biased. But the fact is, the games haven't been worth staying up for. And the majority of the league in basketball... Watch a Pac-12 game. Is there any atmosphere or buzz in the building? None. For a good amount of these schools, there has not been in recent years. Now, the league had that uh, one year, a couple of years ago, the, the COVID tournament where they performed great. They had multiple teams in the Sweet 16. They had teams making the Elite Eight. It was awesome for them. But I agree with you, Rob. To produce the better college basketball moment, This new look Big 12, which if you look at the 2024-25 Big 12 in Ken Palm this past year, every single team fits within the top 77 of the Ken Palm rankings. That means you do not have a bad team in your league. So for college hoops, all this realignment, you can say that it stinks, and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and disagree with you because I get where you're coming from. But by the same token, I truthfully think that Pac-12 basketball had lost what it had, and we cannot forget that when the chips of UCLA and USC fell in the Big Ten guys— It was only a matter of time until the other chips would fall. They did. The Big 12 capitalized. And frankly, USC and UCLA leaving for the Big 10 
outside of Arizona, in the current state of the sport, because Oregon has not been good, right? In the current state of things, there just wasn't much that was going to excite me about the way the Pac-12 was structured without those two name brands. They were the first dominoes. These other schools going to the Big 12 makes the Big 12 already college basketball's premier conference. You can't argue with their results in recent years. It just strengthened it even more. And you're exactly right. I get to watch Houston and Arizona in a league game. Are you kidding me? I get to watch Kansas and Arizona in a league game. That's going to be really cool. The only concern I have with that, and, and to you, I'm curious your opinion on this, is that it kind of dilutes what made the Big 12 so special. And I think that this it, it's already happening with, with Houston and UCF and BYU and Cincinnati coming in, is that you no longer have the double round robin. Like that, I've, to me, that's what made that league so awesome and made it so difficult. You had to play home and on the road against every single other team in the conference. The Big East has that right now. No other power conference in the country has that. And um, I think losing that is going to hurt more than, than some people realize, right? Like we're going to get one UCLA-Arizona game every single year. I'm sorry, one Kansas-Arizona game every single year. But you're only going to get one as opposed to getting Baylor kansas twice every season right as opposed to getting kansas texas twice every season and i do think that that is going to hurt a little bit more than people realize like i do feel like these leagues are starting to get a little bit bloated and eventually i would not be shocked to see something happen where like you see these conference schedules go to 24 games go to 26 games go to more so you can pack more into that uh big 12 tv deal that big 10 tv deal so we'll see what ends up happening with that but that's my only the only place where I kind of look at it and say, okay, that's that's going to be a negative. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, the double round robin, it, it was such a small conference that it allowed all 10 teams to be really good too, which, mm-hmm. or, you know, it, that that's kind of where I could see uh, it's a bit of a downer. But from a basketball perspective, the schools I asked, the top end ability, if you get them to the top end, could be really, really fun. So that that league in and of itself is going to be awesome. Arizona, I feel like Cincinnati definitely has that uh, high-end ability to start getting high-level recruits and really start going. Uh, I, the Big 12, to me, I thought, from a basketball perspective, was far and away the biggest winner. Uh, I, I just, you know, college football, I get the world's run by football, but uh, I, I think the Big 12 is just going to be so much fun to watch uh, as far as realignment is concerned. I, I think the arrogance of the Pac-12 offices ended up killing them. It was just pure and simple, their arrogance. And you always want to be two, two or three years ahead of the curve. I, I think whenever they signed these digital deals with the Pac-12 network and all that stuff, I think they were too far ahead of the curve to where it wasn't – you know, they were trying to get you digital networks and do all the stuff online to where you could stream it. And they were doing what a lot of people are doing now, but they did it too soon to where people couldn't comprehend the ability to get it there. And they couldn't could get find- it on the cable packages. Like how many people had a nightmare actually getting the Pac-12 network? I don't think I got it. Yeah, until that's, what I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. everybody could get it. But what I'm saying is, is it wasn't the norm. 10 years ago or 12 years ago, whenever they started to initiate that thing. And I think they were too far out in front of it. And they were too arrogant to realize their mistake to backtrack and figure it out. I agree with that. And I also, you know, I I know that they, that they didn't have a choice. Um, Well, they had a choice 
but could, for them, for them, it's it's beneficial. Uh, but to me, guys, the Cal Stanford, I, I'm just not going to be able to ever see them in the ACC. That that is going to be a major, not to mention SMU. That that to me, out of all these things, there's always something just crazy that happens, bizarro world. It's a Stanford, contingency plan. Yeah. I mean, I just, and I got to be honest with you, like, not only is it bizarre, but I just don't see what they add other than numbers. No, that's that's it. it. It's, it's, a, con, it's yeah. a contingency plan for if Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina take off. Then it's you to still make sure that you, they don't end up being the Pac-12. That's all. Yeah, yeah and you're sta- you're you're still standing at 15 teams if those three defect. That's what it is. That, that, I mean, that's what it is. And if we're going to keep the NCAA model, I think Stanford brings a lot of value. I think Cal brings some value elsewhere, not as far as money's concerned. But uh, SMU, to me, that's the interesting one because, like, I don't think they're taking anything. I think they're just completely footing their own bill just because they want to play higher levels of football, which I think is really interesting because there's a lot of money down there. Mm-hmm. And they, they could find ways to compete sooner rather than later. I was in Dallas this weekend, and all over the city, there are billboards that just have the, the SMU Mustang logo, a little X, and the ACC logo ACC. all yep. over the place down there. So uh, the folks are excited about SMU moving to the um, the ACC. All right, T.O., floor is yours, man. You want to expand the NCAA tournament. You want to make it be 128 teams. You want to make it be 256 teams. You want to make sure that every single team in Division One college basketball gets an invite to the NCAA tournament. So make it 128. Make it 128 at that first game at home, and then the NCAA can make even more money because of all that money that they need. Now, make it. Here's my thing. A quarter of the teams is typically what's preferred by the NCAA. And I don't think you're going to lose any quality of games. And the reason I say that is if you make every uh, every college conference in college basketball get their regular season champ in and their tournament champ in, a lot of times who's winning these mid mid and low major tournaments, they're not necessarily the best team. And some of those guys are, are moving forward and winning games in the NCAA tournament. There's there's more really good teams because in general there's a lot more talent in the NCAA. There's more than there's ever been. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if you continue to expand the tournament, add more teams, make it make it regular season and uh, postseason champs for the league, there's no reason the quality of play is not going to go down. The upsets aren't going to not happen. You add a couple of these mid to low um, major conference teams, they're going to get beat. Because these mid-major teams can play. Like, for example, Furman wins the Southern Conference. There's several other teams in that league that could have won a game or two. I'm just throwing that in there. If you're trying to tell me Bucky McMillan and Samford couldn't have figured out a way to get an upset, you're wrong. Like, there's a lot of teams that will give some of these high majors fits just because, let's be honest, guys, uh, there's just more good teams available. So here's, here's my idea, and tell me what you guys think about this. If you expand it, you either go to 80 or you go to 96, you make it a requirement that the regular season champion and the tournament champion have to automatic, like they both get automatic bids. If you win both, you're automatically 
in the field of 64. And then what you do is with the rest of those teams, you either have a pool of its 80 teams, you have a pool of 16. If it's uh if it's 96 teams, you have a pool of 32. And you create four team tournaments. Either four of them if it's 80 or eight of them if it's 96. And you have those four teams for the rest of like the end of the at-large bids play a two-team tournament at the highest seeds, the highest rankings, like local, whatever it is, right? And you play for the 10 and the 11 seeds. And that's what you do. So I'm sure that made sense. I'm sure that made sense in your head, but all I can think about is the Zach Galifianakis gif where it's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) like that, like that's all I could picture. Right. Just think about it like this. So the four playing teams from last year, right? Instead of having them play two games for two spots, you take those four teams, you put them in a pod, you put them at a neutral site. Let's just say you play to the Palestra in Philadelphia, right? And you have them play a four team two day tournament. Right. And whoever wins that tournament gets to go and be the 11 seed in one of the regions. Right. And you have four of those or you have eight of those different pods and eight of those different tournaments. And you can either do that on the Tuesday and the Wednesday or you turn that into the new first weekend of the NCAA tournament and push everything back a week and get a whole extra week of the madness. in. Does that make sense? Sure. It it makes sense. I, I do think that the NCAA tournament as much as it pains me to say this will expand Mm -hmm. because it's going to have to, because the big 10 sent nine teams to the NCAA tournament this past year, or rather in 2022 and 2021. Okay. Nine teams, the NCAA tournament. Now the big 10 is adding UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon. What's that going to do? It's not going to stop it at nine. It's going to be 10 or 11. Mm Mm-hmm. As a result, your bubble is only going to get more complex and you're going to get to a point where the whole reasoning of why you took one team as opposed to another, that margin is going to be so thin that it's 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 just it's impossible to justify what you did there. And I think that's where a committee has to save themselves and say, we need some more slots. It's hard enough to select this field. Now you have all this realignment happening. You're going to have some of these leagues, like like you just said, Rob, unbalanced scheduling is going to make cases very complex, at least in these double round robins, like, like the Big 12 had. You were able to say, here's exactly what a team did against these two opponents, these, these teams that are in the NCAA tournament. Here's what another team did when they had the same opportunities. You... You may not have that, and you're going to have some variance to who your regular season champion ends up being potentially. We could be sitting there saying one team had this schedule, the other team had this schedule. It's not all the way down the middle where we haven't said that before. I think that they're going to have to expand. I think I'm in favor of 80 to start. I agree. 80 to start. Start with 80. Let's see how it is. And and then you go from there. I Here's my thing, T.O. I know you want 128, okay? But as he is, just wants carnage, Vander. That's I, I all want he wants. Carnage. I want all the madness. But but my all thing is my th- I want all the madness too. But I don't need to watch two middle tier, middle to lower tier power conference teams square off in a game. 
That's what you get in the first four. And I have a hard enough time watching those games. <laughs> okay. See, so I'm, now you're giving I'm, guys, guys, did, seriously, did you watch the entirety of the first four this past year? I could, it was very hard to watch one of the games. I did. At least I, one of I watched, games. I watched all every second of all four games because, I did too, because but I'm I struggled a, because a I'm a fucking sicko. Fanta. Yeah. I'm not going to say I enjoyed it. Okay. I'm not saying that I enjoyed it. I did watch every second of, of all of those games. I did too. And I'll probably watch the seconds of all the other games, but I don't want the, and this is what it's going to be. The expansion is for the NCAA to keep the football hungry conferences from disbanding and making their own events. Yes. Yeah. Then the reason why I say that you should have it be a play-in situation is that it rewards the mid-major teams by allowing them to be able to get directly in. And then it takes all of the, like the lower end of the at-larges and you, instead of having to worry about like, well, you know, this team was a a mid-major regular season champion and they couldn't get an at-large bid, blah, 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 blah. Then that takes that out of the equation, right? Then if you, if you have the mid-major regular season champ that gets the automatic bid, then they're in the tournament. And then you can allow all of these like mid-tier teams, um, you know, the the Iowa States that go 7-11 in the Big 12 and uh, the teams that kind of are that level, you let them play their way in, right? You don't have to worry about whether or not they are uh, they are going to be able to get a high enough, um, high enough seed. And it kind of takes a little bit of that out of the equation, if that makes sense. Because here's my question. Would you rather be the, the low at-large bid that's got to play two games to actually get in the field or be the mid-major? regular season champion that's got a lower seed, but you're already in there. I think I'd rather be the lower seed, right? Mm. It's already in there. Yeah, just put me in there. I don't, I don't yeah. care how you get in there. Just give me in there. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, let's get to the Big East. It's the league that I think, fair to say, the three of us, well, at least Fan and I know the best, and T.O., you have been adopted. I'm right there the- at it. I'm right there. I, I'm probably not. If Yeah, no, I'm probably not. At your guys' level, but I'm right there. I'm close. I'm close. Yep. Uh, even though you didn't know who Ethan Rocky was until I had to send you a YouTube video the other day. <laughs> I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> Is that the fat lumberjack? Yes, he's the fat lumberjack, man. Come on. Ethan Rocky is a college basketball legend. He could shoot it. Hey, look, if you go back and you watch clips of Ethan Rocky on Synergy T.O., you will love this dude. I saw it. I saw it. I watched it. All he does is shoot 35 footers. He can't do anything else except fire up 35 footers. How do you not know? And he probably and he probably wasn't hefty. He that was just back when big jerseys were in. <laughs> he was a little hefty, though. And he, the big old beard, like it, it just made him look a little bit chunky. There's yeah. a reason we called him the lumberjack. All I'm right. sorry for calling him a fat lumberjack. I didn't mean it. I, I think he'd be proud of that. Well, okay. I, I think I don't think he'd mind it. Um, all right. So we got five burning questions uh from um from the big east. We're gonna kind of roll through this all. Uh, here timer style old school dtf podcast style so i'm going to hit start here the first question to we are going to you first on this one awesome is the best team in the big east this season there's only one answer and it's marquette it's point blank period they won the regular season last year they won the big east tournament and i understand uconn won the national championship but uconn lost a lot and they went from really old to really young really fast so i i have some concerns i really like uconn however for conference play 
Give me Marquette. Tyler Collett comes back, reigning a, a Big East Player of the Year. Cam Jones, one of the best scorers. We've we've harped on that and harped on that. Averaged over 15 points a game. Oso Iguodaro is the best passing five man in the Big East. Like they're just so versatile offensively and what they can do, and they can score from so many different spots. Look, I understand they lost Omax. He averaged 12 and a half points a game, but some of the things that he really does well, I think, are fairly replaceable. Uh, he shoots it well. He's a big forward who can guard multiple spots. Uh, Chase Ross can guard multiple spots. Stevie Mitchell is one of the best defend- defensive perimeter players in the conference. They they have guys. David Joplin played really well in the Big East tournament. Like they have guys that can kind of slide over and fill that role. Uh, maybe not to the same effect as Omax defensively, but I don't don't think there's going to be this massive drop off. And while everybody went and added people in the portal. Marquette knows what they are from day one. So they're going to be able to win a lot of games early in the season and really get that net ranking up, if you will. And they're freshmen while they are freshmen. Uh, Trey Norman and and was it Amadou that they added? They're very talented. I'm a big fan I, of Trey I, Norman. I'll play see, for BABC. I, yeah, I think those freshmen are going to play very limited minutes just because when you that's the crazy guys, part yeah. because i think trey norman you go somewhere you go somewhere else and i don't want him to go somewhere else i'm going to go to marquette because that's where he's at and i wanted to stay he could have played immediately but he is a guy that if he just stays there he's going to be really really good and they already know what they are that's kind of the thing he can learn from tyler kolik he can learn from some of these other guys kim jones uh gosh marquette's good again and that they say it's a big man's game. I'm not necessarily sure that's true. If you can score it and you can handle it and you don't turn it over, uh, it's going to be hard to beat Marquette. Can you make an argument for anybody else, Fanta? For Creighton, for UConn, can you make an argument for either of those teams as the best team in the league? I can make it for Creighton. And Do it. I think that Marquette will be the preseason favorite in this league, but I'll make the case for Creighton to be interesting. Here's why. Ryan Kalkbrenner is the big man. He is an elite rim protector. He's an All-American candidate. He is a two-time conference defensive player of the year in a tough league. That's You don't see two-time defensive player of the year award winners come back again, and he is back. So Greg McDermott has his guy down low. Remember when Kalkbrenner missed time for Creighton last year? Remember when he played for Creighton? The difference in their results is staggering. It's mind-blowing. They couldn't win without that kid. When he was on the floor, when he was on the floor, all they did was win. So much so that I think we'd all be making more cases for Creighton had one possession changed against San Diego State in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Having said that, Baylor Shireman, I thought it took him a little bit of time to fully become a Creighton Blue Jay. I thought the process was right. Greg McDermott was setting him up for success. Guys, when the calendar turned to January – Everything clicked. I expect that to now be clicking in November. Trey Alexander is one of the best shot makers in college basketball. Full stop. I, I I believe that. I think that he is a guy that can be a pro. I like that he comes back to Creighton. I think he'll have the ball in his hands even more because as good as Creighton was last year, and they were really good, if not great, they had a couple of players that were ball stoppers, for better or worse. I think Arthur Kaluma is a really talented player. I think he's going to find more success at Kansas State because I think Jerome Tang will use him differently. The same could be said for Ryan Nemhard. I sensed a little bit of frustration at times because Nemhard and Alexander were figuring out who's going to have the ball in these key situations. Crane's not going to have that issue anymore. 
Stephen Ashworth is a Creighton player. He's old, seasoned, doesn't turn the ball over. He's going to fit perfectly into what Greg McDermott wants to do. If the Blue Jays get production out of the combination of Mason Miller, Fred King, and Isaac Trout, the Virginia transfer, if they get production in some way, shape, or form at the four spot, this team can go to the Final Four. I agree with all of that. I love the idea of them having three basically point guards on the floor at the same time, um, all of whom shoot better than 40% from three, all of whom averaged uh, between 2.5 and five assists this past season. I think Mason Miller is going to be the guy that that gets the first shot at the four for him. Um, I would throw Jason Green in that conversation as well, a guy that I don't – he hasn't gotten much conversation uh, this offseason – uh, real quick, I'm going to make the argument for UConn as the best team in the league. I do think that, um, for the record, I think it's Marquette before people say, oh, you're such a UConn homer. Marquette is the best team in the league. I Creighton agree. is the second best team in the league. I'm going to make the argument for UConn here. Uh, they're bringing back Tristan Newton, fifth-year senior, um, I think is the guy that really figured out what it takes to be able to score at this level down the stretch of last season. Um, Samson Johnson will be able to do some of the same things that Andre Jackson did offensively. He's not the impact defensively, but the long athletic driver can spray balls around, can really pass it. I think he'll have real value for UConn offensively. Um, Alex Caravan is, uh, an underrated asset at the four. I think that we're going to be talking about him as a potential, uh, second round pick top 40 ish kind of a pick by the end of the season. Obviously Donovan Kling is there. I think people are going to be surprised at, his ability to be a pick and pop threat this season. Um, and then, you know, seven, three lob target. He's so good defensively. Uh, the addition of Cam Spencer, I think is, has been underrated nationally because of what he is as a positional defender, what he is as a passer and a ball mover. Everyone talks about him as a shooter. He's averaged at least three assists all four seasons. He's, he's been in college. He averaged 13 points a game on a Rutgers team that played very slow basketball last season. He's made big shots. He's from a, a family of athletes. He, he got juntos, dude. He hit shots yes. at the end of games big time. Like Yes. And he, has, he has a worse record on dunks than uh, Terrence Oglesby did in his college career. He makes Terrence look athletic. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think that they have talent on the bench. Now, it's young talent. Solo Ball and Jalen Stewart both were banged up this offseason, so they're still kind of playing catch up a little bit right now. Um, to me, the key to this this team is going to be the development of those two freshmen. Jaden Ross, I'll throw in that conversation as well. That they're really high on Jaden Ross. They think that he's got like NBA potential. Um, and uh Samson Johnson, what made UConn so effective last year was you had the big East player of the year that only needed to pay, play like what 26 minutes a game. Adama Sonogo, or I'm sorry, the, the NCAA tournament most outstanding player only needed to play 26 minutes a game because you could bring in this other guy that could play his balls off for 14 minutes, not worry about fouls, not worry about getting tired. If Samson Johnson can be that guy, I think UConn's got a chance. Uh, Best bet, they probably finished third in the league, I would say. Um, All right, question number two. Fanta, we're going to you first on this one. Who is the most underrated team in the Big East right now? Wow, Villanova. Because if they're not a top three team in the Big East, that's a really talented team outside the top three. Mm-hmm. J- Justin Moore, guys, I'm I'm telling you right now, I think he wins Big East Player of the Year, and I think he's an All American. There you go. You know what's yeah. crazy about that? I can make a, a pretty strong argument that he's the second best player on that team behind Eric Dixon. That tells you how good Villanova is. Wow, that's that's a really interesting 
argument that I would love to listen to. Here's the thing. This team, this team really excites me. Um, the question is simple. Can Kyle Neptune get them to all come together and match and make it all work? Uh, because I, I really think, guys, if Jay Wright was the coach of this team, you would have them in the top three in the Big East. <laughs> we would just have them. If Jay Wright was the we'd coach, have them we'd have them yeah, one. We'd have them one. You would have them, one. Would have them oh. one. If, so if just, Jay Wright was heading them up, you would. I would have them one. <laughs> so, so I guess the point then is, all right, that's fine. I, I don't disagree with you. But if this team is outside the top three in the Big East with that much talent, then, yeah, I do consider them underrated. Mm-hmm. Because if Tyler Burden and TJ Bamba produce the level that we think they're capable of, there seems to be pretty solid buzz coming out of Villanova about Lance Ware yeah. and what he's done since he got to campus. That It's just different. He feels different. He feels better. He's going to obviously get an opportunity to play. And, and maybe that ends up being great for him. At the end of the day, he was recruited to Kentucky. Like, let's call it what it is. He's got the tools. He's got to see everything pan out. Uh, Hakeem Hart was an underrated ad, NCAA tournament experience. But guys, the team that Villanova was in the final month of the season, UConn stopped them. Rob, your UConn team, that, that Saturday night game in Wells Fargo, that stopped the momentum for the Cats. If they don't play UConn that Saturday, I'm convinced they could have beaten anybody else in the league at the time. UConn kind of needed the game. They got it, and they pulled them ahead. I think Villanova is underrated. I am not ready to sit here and say that they're just a a fourth or fifth or sixth place team in the Big East Conference with Justin Moore because you could have questions about Kyle Neptune. You could have questions about whether or not everything pans out. But I know this much. When Justin Moore's on the floor in a Villanova uniform, you can't tell me that the team on the other side doesn't fear what he could do like NFL teams fear a Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Mahomes or Josh Allen's pretty uh, – that, that's a pretty – big uh, compliment but what i will say is just more but just more settles you down if nothing else like whenever he was able to come back he wasn't 100 percent. but uh, at the same time uh, it's almost like the whole villanova team took a deep breath uh, if you look at their roster there's so much to like there's so much like tj bomba was a very good player last year at washington state he can score inside he's super athletic uh, Hakeem Hart is a big switchable forward who can knock down some shots. Lance Ware is a super athlete that uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does in a different system because a lot of times in Cal's system, a guy like Lance Ware gets stuck in the dunker. So you don't really get to see the entire scope of what they can do. Not that that's a bad thing. He's just very good at that. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, if you look at another under underrated team, are we going to look past Sean Miller and Xavier? Like they added some guys, huh? Too many tough injuries. Yeah, too many tough injuries. You're right, but I mean, they added a bunch too. I mean, there's a lot of guys now. If I'm if I'm missing an injury, just let me know because it's there's so much going on. But uh, Davion Knight, Western Kentucky, sixteen and a half. Is he hurt? No, they they got the guards. It's it's Fremantle and Hunter that are they're um questionable about whether or not they're going to play this season well here's another here's another thing with that what they added two european kids one big kid here recently and another one we have no idea 
We have they, no idea. Based on the based on what I've heard is that the um the kid from Lithuania is most likely to have the biggest impact early just because he's 22, he's got one year left. Uh what the the comparison that Sean made to me was like imagine an Ivy League kid transferring up to the Big East for his last season of eligibility. He'll be a good role player slotting at the four. Um, but when you have we'll guards allow- that can score like that, yes, that's really all you need. Yeah, uh, the the Lazar Djokovic, the kid from, um, I believe he is Serbian. He's uh, is he Croatian or Serbian? I don't remember. He's he's somewhere yeah. in the Balkans. Um, yeah. he's a guy that probably has the highest ceiling and is the most similar to what like Zach Fremantle is. But he's also nineteen. It's going to take him a little bit of time. And then the big kid, uh, I think it's Sasa Siani, is just a big body like he's going to come in and help and rebound and he's 20 years old already so um all three of them will play all three of them will have an impact uh we didn't mention providence yet for the most underrated teams i was going to let you have it because yeah. you need to gain you need to gain ground with the providence fans no, so i was going to let man, you have it look devin carter and bryce hopkins could very well both be first team all big east players bryce hopkins is the best forward in the league if, if, if I'm wrong on that, please let me know. He's the best forward in the league. He's the best four-man in the league. Um, I think Devin With Kalumagon, yes. Yeah. I, I think um, Devin Carter is the best on-ball defender. All due respect to Stevie Mitchell. I think uh, I think Devin Carter is the best on-ball, um, kind of one-on-one, shut-down corner, so to speak, defender in the conference. No I posh. think Garway. Huh? No posh. We're not throwing posh in there? I mean... You could put Posh in there if you want, but he plays for Butler. Like, are we having? <laughs> Sorry, Butler. I'm just kidding. It's a, joke. it's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, it's no, not a joke. He's serious. I still think it's. Uh, I still think it's Devin Carter. Um, I think that Garway Duall is a guy that by the end of the season we're going to be talking about potential like first round ability. I think that uh, oh. from what I've heard coming out of there, like you got, we got to have real conversations about like this being the breakout year for Corey Floyd. Like, I think he's got a real shot. And then the pieces that Kimmy brought with him from George Mason, I do believe, are going to be good role players in the Big East. Um, I wonder about the point guard spot. Like, that to me is a big concern. And the same thing that we talked about with Kyle. Like, if you gave Ed Cooley this roster, we'd be talking about them as, like, number one, number two in the Big East. It's the same kind of a thing where, like, we all believe in Kimmy kind of got to see him do it before you go all the way in. But I think there's a real world, a real possibility where Providence, we look up and they're a top 15 team in February. And I think that there's a real possibility that like they finish first or second in this conference, right? It's a tough league. There's a lot to get through, but uh, you're biting your lips. Well, here's the thing. Here, I don't so agree. Yeah. Right, tell so, me why. Go ahead, Terrence. Uh you're talking about number one or number two in the conference. If Cooley was there, Josh Odoro was good in the A10, but like this Big East is a lot more physical league. I under, and the A10 was down last year. Justin Fernandez was a highly recruited kid out of high school. He was like a top 20, 125 kid or whatever. ACL. I don't know if he's going to play. Okay. So he's, he's gone. Devontae Gaines. Is that, is that the ticket they call him? Ticket the ticket Gaines. Yeah. I, I saw him once last year. It, he was fine. Will McNair, three, three points. He's gone. Will McNair's gone. They brought in another freshman. Um, the, okay, the, so the, fine. They're, they're wait, all fine. And wait, wait minute, well, wait all, all I'm saying, T.O., all, all I'm saying is that when you combine when you combine two guys that could be first-team all-league with a bunch of players that are fine, as long as those players that are fine 
buy into like if ticket gains buys into the idea that I got to defend and I got to shoot, make catch and shoot threes. Like he can do that and he can do that d- well enough. Now I'm not saying that they are going to finish first, like, cause there's also a possibility that this is an NIT team if it doesn't all work out, but I can tell myself a story and I can get to the idea that this is a top 15, top four C kind of a team in the big East this season. I don't think that that's crazy to say. Hey, I love Providence as much as the next guy. That's not true. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I love hey, Friar fans, listen up. Listen up. It's not true. Guys, I they know, know you guys they love Terry. Hey, 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 you hate me. Rob, they know. Who's, who's they know. on the bandwagon this year? Who's on they the bandwagon know. this year? Hey, well, it's it, well, there's just so many new moving parts. It, now, I will say I'm a fan of Rafael Castro. I think he's a very talented kid. Yes. Uh that it's that big east is loaded. They're not winning a Big East. <laughs> they are, it is well, loaded, man. They're it, not winning. It's crazy. The big like they they might be six in the preseason poll. Like it's crazy how good the top of this league is. And oh, by the way, Fanta, we haven't talked about Rick Pitino yet. Well, we have not, and we'll get and we'll, that deserves its own segment and, and its own uh, YouTube video because it will get the traffic. Uh, we know that much. <laughs> but but let's talk Providence here for a moment. Uh, so here's my thought. Okay, I actually going to go against you in the way that you don't think. I think if Ed Cooley were the coach still at Providence, I don't think this team would finish first or second either. Okay? Because I just don't think – I think that this is a good team. I think Providence is good. I think if Kim English finishes first or second in the Big East, he should be up for National Coach of the Year. Yeah. That's how great of a year he would have. The Big East could be the best conference in college basketball. If Kim English is that good, he should be up for National Coach of the Year. I like this team. I think Bryce Hopkins could be Big East Player of the Year, and it wouldn't surprise me. Devin Carter is excellent. We knew he was good defensively. The player he's become on the offensive end of the floor is really something. He's developed his game. He works his ass off. He's a good player. This comes down for me to Corey Floyd, if he is, in fact, the breakout guy, Jaden Pierre becoming that Big East point guard, reliable, playmaker, making things happen, look good on their foreign tour. It was a foreign tour, but he, he looked smooth. He did the right things. Josh Oduro is the guy that, if he's able to handle it, Terrence, I know you said it's a question, A-10 to Big East. I, I agree mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. If Oduro comes into Providence and is able to fight and is able to compete and win battles in the paint, then I could see Providence being a top three team in the Big East. I think that this team is somewhere between four and six in the Big East, can very well finish in the top five. But I think if you say that you could see them finishing first or second, this isn't about Providence as much as it is they compete in a league that sent three to the Sweet 16 last year. And I know Friar fans will say, we could have been there. Our coach the last month of the season had other stuff going on. I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you on that either. The last month of the season, it's it's clear now that Ed Cooley had his head in different spaces. The fact is, Marquette's in the Big East. Creighton's in the Big East. And the defending national champion, UConn Huskies, are in the Big East. And we just all said, did, did we all just agree? Or am I wrong? That you could argue Villanova has the most on-paper talent of all these teams? On paper talent, do they? Yeah, I close. Do they? Yeah, as so a that, whole, correct. As so a whole, that's correct. why. That's why it's not fair. I'm getting fired up now. I'm I like it here. I'm. I, that's why I'm sitting here saying I post like honeymoon Fanta. Post like, honeymoon Fanta. 
I like Providence, but I don't know if it's fair to put that level on them. I think they're an NCAA no. tournament team. I think they're a top 25 to 30 team in the country. Yeah, probably. I think that's the most likely outcome. I just, yeah. All right. So oh, hold on, go. hold on, hold on, hold on. Counterpoint, counterpoint that we are putting a lot of weight on Josh Oduro's shoulders for them to be that good. He's got big uh, shoulders. He's got broad shoulders. Tim English thinks that but he that's doesn't. Wrong. He's 6'9", 235, guys. Like in the A10, that's big, right? A10, that's a pretty big guy. All right. So just arbitrary situation. I went down one team alphabetically. Who's that? That's St. John's. How big's Joel Soriano? 6'11", 265. How big's Ryan Kalkbrenner? 7'1", 255. How big is Donovan Klingon? Like it's it. It's a it's a whole different level. I know it doesn't seem like a All huge right, let me ask you this. TO, who won it, it is. TO, who won the who won the Big East last year? Marquette. How big is Oso Iguodaro? That's a different that's different. Ooh, and, 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 and even so, oh, lawyer. So, okay, so even oh, so, lawyer. Oso Iguodaro <laughs> Oso Iguodaro operates on the perimeter. Has Josh Oduro proven he can guard on the perimeter consistently? Uh I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because I want to win the argument. <laughs> all <right. laughs> gotcha. All right. All right. Gotcha. Tio, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll roll through these last three pretty quickly. All right. Um, over under 1.5 years until Rick Patino has St. John's as a title contender in the big East. A, a big East title contender or a national championship title. Big contender? East title contender. With well, so many teams in the league, all right. So, so with so many teams in the league, there's going to be a hodgepodge of games that are really, really close. That's when coaching comes into effect, and I'm just not going to doubt Rick Pitino. So, you're taking the under. I think it's possible they could win the league this year. It's possible. I don't think it's probable. I think it's possible. What the hell? Answer the question. What are you, you talking like, about, Fanta? You, you sound like a politician on the stage. Answer the question that he asked. <sighs> It's over or under. When you say contender, like win it or like be in the top three or four? Like uh, head into February where they have a chance, like what Providence was the last couple of years, what UConn was the last couple of years, what Creighton's been the last couple of years. Like we're talking not just a team that might make the tournament. We're talking like they had done the stretch run and if they win six in a row, they can win the league. Kind of a deal. This year, next year, two years from now, how long do you think it takes? Will it happen? They can be in the mix this year. Okay. So it's going to take them to contend for a Big East championship. The, the answer is the over. St. John's is going to be a good team. Could be very good team. I'm curious to see how the rotation works because they've got enough players to form an offense and a defense, an 11-man unit on each side. They've loaded up their roster. They've got more than enough weapons. And having Dennis Jenkins eligible and good to go is big. I mean, Rick Patino has said that. It's huge. Jordan Dingle's a bucket getter. RJ Lewis, I've heard nothing but good things about the way he's come in. Glenn Taylor, Simeon Wilcher, best freshman that St. John's has had in a decade. Think it's about all this. There. Think about this. Naheem Aline, three yeah. years, average double figures at Virginia Tech, was a key piece to UConn's national championship run off the bench last and year. He's probably not starting for. I didn't St. say John's his name. Year. Right. Probably and, not starting this year. Not to to me, getting Chris Ledlam was huge. Big. Because, because now Soriano has competition in practice. Now Soriano is told, hey, man, if you're not playing well, 
you'll come off the floor. I'm going to be honest on, on Soriano for a moment. I like him. I think he's a good player. I also think he was a stat sheet stuffer on a team that didn't have anybody else in the front court to do that. A lot of empty so, calories there. What's that? I said a lot of empty calories in those numbers that he put up. Yeah, Empty calories. I can relate to it. <laughs> Having said that, the fact of the matter is St. John's is a good team. They're an NCAA tournament caliber team. St. John's hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2000. I think that drought ends this upcoming year. I just think when you're talking about Big East championship aspirations, you're disrespecting the top teams in this league and what they have back if you're now pegging the Red Storm at number one. So I'm to answer your question, which was over under 1.5 years, the answer is over. I think a year from now, we could be talking about them as a title contender. Yep, I agree with all that. Uh, over under TO 2.5 years before Ed Cooley has Georgetown as a Big East contender. I'm going over because I think year three is going to be the money year. Uh, I just think it's going to, it's, they've been bad for so long. He has to change everything from the ground up to yes. where I think I'm not necessarily saying that St. John's has been phenomenal. I do think they're closer to being, they were closer to being good than Georgetown was over the course of the year. I think that's a foregone conclusion. I, I think over though, because this is a ground up situation. Fanta? Over. Over, I, I don't think, I think it's going to take three, maybe year three or year four until Ed Cooley has Georgetown as a Big East title contender. I think year three is is the money year. I'm with Terrence. I really do. Big East title contender, year three. Year three. NCAA tournament level team, could they make the tournament in Cooley's second year? Y yes, they could. Because Here's the thing. Five, seven, eight years ago, I skipped six, I don't know why. Uh, you could, you could, you could sit here. <laughs> Did you guys miss me? I'm, I'm just saying. No, no, it was funny. You, it was funny. Keep going. Yeah, you're good. You, you could say, oh, I think that two or three years from now, they're going to have it, right? Like Marquette's almost the traditional college hoops program team, whatever you want to call it, because they, they've had roster retention. No longer, like, that's isn't that the difficult thing with these power conference jobs and whatnot? Like, you can't say oh, it's going to take three to five years, could take four or five years. Like, no, because in one off season, in one off season, if you've got the money now, you can become an NCAA tournament team. Well, here, the one thing I would say to that is, I think Ed did about as good of a job as you could have asked getting this this team from like two wins in the Big East in the last two years to being something where we're probably looking at like a seven or eight win team in the big East, maybe six, somewhere in that area. Right. Like they're probably the eighth best team in the conference. Right. And that, that um, AD should be thrilled if that's yes. The case. And I, I think the biggest thing with Georgetown is he's going to kind of have to do what he did at Providence in terms of developing a fan base, developing a home court, getting people excited about Georgetown basketball in the city. We, we don't need to rehash it again, but like, finding a way to turn an NBA arena that is not anywhere near the campus and is difficult for students to get to into a home court where it's tough to play. And that's not going to be an easy thing for him to do. I think the shock of smart uh, schedule is probably something that is um, a little bit ambitious, but I think kind of if you're looking for a kind of a timeline, I think it's similar to that. All right. Last thing I got for you, you got 30 seconds 
to answer this question to you. If you were starting a Big East program from scratch right now, and you had to pick one coach from the conference to run your program, who would it be and why? It'd be between two people. It'd be between uh, Shaka and Rick Patino. Rick's done it. I like that Shaka incorporates everything from the ground up and keeps his guys. It, it, it gives familiarity with the program. The fan base jumps on. He has them fully on board. I love what he's done at Marquette. And then Rick has just won. So it kind of depends on how soon do you want to win? That's the big question. It would be Shaka Smart for me. Yep. I, I think he is a guy that gets the Big East, leads the Big East, quickly has has done that, and has built a culture. And I know that the counter argument would be, well, he hasn't had the major NCAA tournament run since VCU. Uh, but I always use the Brad Underwood phrase. And somewhere, uh, Sleepers Media is going to roll their eyes at me or you know, there'll be comments. That, but I'm going to use Daddy Brad's phrase. The key to making an NCAA tournament run is just making the NCAA tournament. I mean, you, you got to get there and then it can come. Um, and so for me, I think it's only a matter of time that Shaka Smart has Marquette in the second weekend. And once you get to the second weekend, guys, anything can happen from, from there. They could be a final. If they're a final four team this upcoming year, you would call it as good of a three-year progression for a program that we've seen in college basketball. Shaka's relationships oriented. He is smart. He is easy to work with. And his kids are fully bought in. I'm trying to build this program with a guy that I know will also be loyal. And I think at this stage of his career, Shaka Smart will be loyal to Marquette. I don't think he's looking to move. Yeah, I love Shaka. Love all those points that you guys made. Um, but I'll just push back. Like, if you want to be able to win immediately and you want to be able to get a program going from the ground up. And I know really who you're to, picking. You really want to find a way to get the answer. You got to go with Tony Stubblefield. Oh. <laughs> Curveball. <laughs> no, to me, if you're Sean starting Miller. a program, if you're start, well, yeah, Sean would be great. Love Sean. But I think if you're starting a program from the ground up, like nobody is better at just going out and figuring it out and winning right away with whatever he's got than Rick Patino. Like yeah. you just kind of, you go with one of the goats, give him his three or four years to get the thing going. And then after he's got it going in three or four years when he retires, cause he's like 76 years old. Then you go higher. Uh, no Hurley. A, a Sean Miller. It just it's just take won time. a national championship. But it look, I trust me, I love Dan. Uh, Can't get him on the phone time. anymore, Rob. Can't get him I, on the phone. I, could, I finally did. The day of Fanna's wedding, I got Hurley on the phone. <laughs> 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 right before well, I had to go spend forty dollars well, on a shot of tequila. For <laughs> Hurley, yeah. Hurley won a national championship. Changed his phone number. <laughs> yeah. Well, I the, he was like he was like, well, we can reschedule this. I was like, no, no, no. We got ten minutes right now, and then I got to go hit the open bar at the Fanna wedding. And he was like, oh, okay, I got you. Um, no, I think it's I think it's Rick Patino, and then after that, you go out and. Once you got the program rolling a little bit, then you can go hire a Hurley or a Cooley or a Shaka or a Sean Miller, whoever it is that you want. Dude, you can close your eyes and throw a dart and hit one. Hit a good coach in that league. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, you know what? We didn't even mention the fact that a guy that made it to the national title game, Thad Mata, who had Ohio State is the best program in the Big Ten for a seven-year stretch. He's in this conference. Shaheen Holloway took St. Peter's to the Elite Eight literally a year ago. 
in 2022. And we didn't even mention him. So there's a uh, underrated. They are underrated. Underrated mm-hmm. going in this year. I, I think everybody is very down on Seton Hall. I'm not saying they're an NCAA tournament team, but I actually think that they could end up being a decent team in the Big East. They're going to be a tough out. The kid they got from Boise State's pretty good. And guy on guy, he's a good player. Yep. Um, we'll see if uh, Kadari Richmond decides to show up this season because that's going to be the key to me. Uh, anyway, this has been fun. It's been great to get back with you guys on the DTF podcast once again. Great to talk a little bit of Big East basketball. Great to talk about the Fanta wedding. John, I know it's time for you to go drown your sorrows. Uh, I don't want to hold you here any longer. So um, for Terrence Oglesby, for John Fanta, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again next week. Maybe we'll talk about the Big Ten. Who knows? We'll see.